Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. Song of Solomon, chapter number 2, uh, verse number 15. The Bible says... And just for setting the context of scripture, this is the Shulamite. Uh, she, she is, she's married. She's having a time of reflection of before she was married. And uh, they've went on the spring day. They have walked. They've heard the birds sing. They're sharing some of their most uh, intimate uh, goals, ambitions, desires. And in that, they come across also they're going to have to survey problems that happen even before and for us today, even after marriage. So verse 15 says, Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes our vines have tender grapes we'll go with that this morning on marriage matters part five i believe this is let us pray this morning father i come to you today god we're grateful lord jesus to be in this house we're again sitting down lord to center ourselves around your word i pray oh lord today help us lord to glean from your scriptures god learn god practical lord biblical lord jesus god things today lord through and by your word you're able to help us God, in our relationships lord jesus to grow strong lord jesus Jesus in you and we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it in the lovely name of Jesus we pray amen and amen everyone say amen. amen amen you may be seated today catch us just up to speed real quickly again uh little foxes foxes are burrowing creatures as a result of it when they burrow the way that they affect the vine mostly it's not just eating the grapes the tender grapes on the vine but it's also by destroying the root system of the vine uh, the very origin and the very place from which that vine grows if it can get to the root of the vine then it virtually has the vine and they're just little foxes seemingly insignificant as you would see them couldn't do much harm but anything that attacks the root of something can do great damage and so with that we understand the mindset that Things that even one spouse may look through a lens at the other and say that's nothing big. Well, to the one to whom it is a big thing, we got to consider that because it could be something that's eating at the root of your home and your marital uh, relationship. Uh, Whenever we started uh, several weeks ago, uh, we started on a list of uh, 12 commandments of communication, uh, if you will. Uh, If I can just run through those that we already made it through on, uh, the the first one was be sure your spouse is listening. If you're going to talk about something important, a need, uh, vying for their attention, a problem maybe, make sure they're listening. You want to have their undivided attention. You want to make sure it's a good time to be able to talk about uh, the situation, the problem. Uh, Number two was begin with something positive. If it is going to be something that's a problem or something that's negative, uh, you can give a genuine appraisal uh, for something that they may do in your home and your marriage and then follow it up with the thing that's a little bit bothersome or a little bit troublesome. So uh, begin with something positive. Number three was uh, do not attack. Uh, Try to stray away from those you statements you know getting it because that just gets right in a person's face as soon as you say well you never you you always try to stay away from those you statements and try to not attack the person but keep as sister mcgee has brought up several times keep centered on the issue number four uh, was to be respectful do not cast a disrespectful judgments and this all entailed being sarcastic Whenever you get in an argument, you you begin being sarcastic or belittling, demeaning, exaggerated comments. We we said we need to steer clear from that. I know personalities, just as individuals, some of our personalities were sarcastic by nature. That's who we are. Uh, But whenever you get into a sensitive arena of a conflict or a problem in your marriage and that, that thing is very sensitive and very real and important to that other spouse, that's probably not the best of times to be sarcastic. Uh, instead of uh, trying to put out the fire, you are feeding the fire, so to speak. So try to stay away from those things. Number five, to bring us to speed. Here we are. Look at that, man. We went through last week just that quick. Number five, 
on the list for us today. And again, these 12 are kind of a practical lens, a practical view uh, for, for our marriages and communication. And we'll try uh, before today's ended, maybe see somewhat of a biblical view concerning communication. But number five is do not exaggerate. Do not exaggerate. Uh, sometimes whenever we are upset concerning a problematic area in our marriages, uh, we start to vent our feelings to where we're upset. We begin to exaggerate a little bit. Uh, and that may really relieve some tension for you, but it's not helping per se the situation. Because whenever your spouse begins to hear any tokens of exaggeration, uh, they will automatically feel justified in just disconnecting and rejecting perhaps what, what you're saying or what you have. Whenever I talk about exaggeration, I'm talking about using those words, and we may have hit on this before, I'm unsure, but using those words of always and never. You know, you never pick up your clothes. Well, uh, never is, I mean, never, never. That means there's not once in the timeline of life together that has ever happened. So that's an exaggeration. Or, uh, you know, either my wife could probably come up with other examples. But you, you always, you know, you always, let me do it for the man. You always leave the toilet lid up. Always? Now, maybe there's, maybe there's some guys that that's, that's, maybe that's, maybe, I mean, exaggeration is if it's not true, okay? But uh, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, has that always happened? It means there's, again, there's never a time in the history of your marriage or so on and so forth that you've never went in there and the toilet seat is down. They said, yeah, whenever I was the last one that used it. <laughs> but uh, you've got to stay away from those words of always and never because as soon as you engage with that always or never, that other individual is always already thinking of episodes and times when they didn't do that and that didn't happen. And so where is this going? Because they're, they're in attack mode, they're exaggerating, so I'm just going to turn off and you, as I said, talk to the hand because the face isn't listening type of scenario. Number six, we got to try to refrain from mind reading. Mind reading. Uh, sometimes we get, uh, we play the, the role of amateur psychologists and we, we, we're figuring out what somebody else is thinking. We know what they're thinking and a lot of times... Our knowing what they think is really a big assumption about what they're doing. Uh, sometimes even motives. We think we, we understand their motive, what their motive. I know why you're saying that. Or, or you know, there's motives behind that. And a lot of times we're, we're really, we're really in, inaccurate. You know, in our own minds we play sometimes. We can say, well, you know what, they just, they really don't care about me. What are we doing? We're mind reading. We're, we're mind reading. Uh, you... They say something and the, the retort back is, you knew that would upset me. It might have been an innocent, innocent statement. I mean, innocent as a child from the womb. But we, we get in that mind reading. You, you knew that was going to upset me and that's the reason why you said that. <laughs> You've been there. You've been there. How do, you, how do you know that they knew that that would, I mean, now, undoubtedly, we get to know our spouses enough. We do know where the buttons are. And levers and switch. Yeah, I see the sheepish grins out there. We, we do know some things, but there's other things that are purely, purely innocent. Now, here's some big things, though. Imagine an apology or, or something uh, coming to a head of a compromise on something, you know, coming into play. And there's one of the party that's standing there thinking, I know you don't really mean what you're saying, right? Could you imagine someone giving an apology or trying to ask forgiveness and in the back of your mind you're saying, this, this is just a bunch of baloney right here. They really don't mean what they're saying. Huh? Yeah, they're, they're not sorry. You know, I, and I believe this happens not just in a marital relationship but in relationships overall. Uh, sometimes whenever people say stuff, and I tell you, I've been guilty of it before, that I try to find out, okay, what are they really saying? Seriously. Even in church life sometimes, it's like, what are they really saying? You know, instead of just taking what they're saying at face value. I tell you what, we probably save ourselves a lot of headache if we could just take what everybody says at face value. Don't read any more, any less into it. Just take it as it is. Because I find myself that most of the time I get in trouble when I try to read more into what was said than what was said. Just leave it as is and accept that they weren't trying to say anything more than what just came out of their mouth. 
Seriously. Because we get ourselves in trouble in our marriages and just in everyday life whenever we try to mind read and try to, try to get in and we got our crystal ball, so to speak, you know, and we can see the future. Uh, number seven commanded it, commandment is to focus on the preference. And this may seem weird, but focus on the preference and not the principles. Because what that means is stay with what the individual's feelings are portraying right now. How they feel. Because how you feel is subjective, okay? But whenever you go to a principle, this is hard, fast, this is right or wrong. Sometimes in a discussion or an argument, there is that desperate, that desperate uh, cry of wanting to be right. Or you believe, I'm right, you're wrong. It's a right-wrong thing. You know, what's going on right now? What di- what's going on in our marriage right now? Th- this is right. And anything outside of that is wrong. And so we bring in other things. And here's the no-nos. We start bringing in, will Sally and Bob, you know, based upon someone else's relationship, uh, if you're real studious, you know, well, I've been reading a book lately, and the percentage shows, you know, if you want to, bring out statistics and all these different things of, you know, the right and the wrong. But listen, whenever you have right and wrong, those are concrete. There can be no compromise with that. But whenever you base things purely upon your feelings, how, how you are feeling, and you're not trying to prove someone right or wrong with books, magazines, articles, with what your neighbors and friends are feeling, you know, because if you can make the other partner feel like, well, everybody else is like this, and so we're abnormal we got to fit into the cookie mode of everybody else I know. Well, you know what? There's probably some people you don't know that's just like you. Seriously. That, that feel the same way you do concerning this certain circumstance in your marriage. So, uh, but see, that's a good arguing point. In arguing, look, what, this isn't normal. Uh, for, for our family, there'd be a lot of things not normal. So, I mean, seriously. Because... Uh, by, by, by nature, I just don't fall in the normal form that society makes for the male, and neither does she for the female. And so if we were to go by the majority of society, man, it would be a topsy-turvy thing right here because we're abnormal. <laughs> and everybody's saying, amen, hallelujah. We're abnormal. But if I were to use all society of what they say it is, then, then I would have a very difficult time in my marriage very difficult time in my relationship because I'd always try to be what society paints supposedly everybody should be rather than be in the way that God has made me and finding a place of ground to be able to meet upon compromise. But whenever I just keep my feelings, you know, dear, I feel like this. You know what? My feelings are subjected to me and I can give a little and take a little till we can find a good working condition over any problem or situation. My wife, did you have something to say? Right. And it's just like, you know, like you said, it's kind of like saying, well, this is the right way to do this, or this is the right way to do that, or this is the way we've always done it, or this is the way my parents did it. And, you know, the person I respond, that may be, but this is how I prefer it. That's where he's getting into discussing, you know, preferences, because then you can come to a compromise. In a marriage and in situations, there is more than one right way. You know, there's not one right way and one wrong way, and you stand on that island till the day you die. In a marriage, it's okay to compromise. It's okay. He may come in and say, well, my parents always did it this way, and I come in and say, well, my parents always did it this way. Right. It doesn't mean that one was right and one was wrong. It was just a difference in preferences. And so you come into your marriage, and you decide what your preferences are, and that's where you are able to compromise because you're able to say, well, you know, it's okay. I mean, it's, you have to choose your battles, and there's some things that's not worth standing alone and dying on an island to say, well, this is the way it has to be done. It's okay to give a little, take a little, and say, well, this is what they prefer, then that's okay to compromise in that. Marriage is such a, man, it's a complex thing whenever you think that you have a person from one maybe culture or family setting and from another culture and family setting, and it's like two rivers coming together. You know, you go out there, Twin Rivers, you can see wherever those two rivers come together. There's a line a little bit, a little bit of a, a torrent that's going on until finally they just become their own. And I've always told couples, I said, you know, you're going to come in and there's maybe some of those family things from your family, you know, you'll keep and some from her family that you're going to keep. But then you two come together, you're going to have something that's maybe different from both of them that's going to be your own, the meshing of you two. And that's okay. 
But to come in with the idea that it's going to be like we are, my family, this is going to be just like we always did it. Well, you got someone else coming in maybe thinking, now this is going to be like we always did it too. <laughs> it ain't going to be like, eh, it'll be hard being one flesh like that, isn't it? You know, you're going to have to find some ground to, to shift upon. Uh, number eight is explain. And oh, I didn't have my paper today. I was going to have that made. Never mind. Anyway, explain what made you feel the way you did. Explain what, you know, sometimes we just assume they know. They know the reason why I'm upset. They know the reason. That isn't always the case. I know there's been times I've scratched my head what's going on. You know, you don't always know why. Because, again, we get in that, that mind-reading mode thinking that they're going to read my mind. I can read their mind. You know, I know why they're like this. And this, so they can read why I am like I am. You know, anyone uh, would feel the way that I did. Sometimes we get that idea. You know, this just happened. Uh, so now it's a problem. Anyone would feel the way that I did. Well, why do you feel the way that you do? You know, you need to explain why, what, what events took place, what happened that made that, that, that instance or that episode made you upset. You've you got you to take a, some serious time to explain why you feel why you feel the way you do. I, I know because um, whenever we don't, there, there, there can be a lot of confusion and miscommunication and just not knowing. You know, if, if what well, did you have something to say? You know, if if you look at the idea, you know, let's just take out the trash, you know, uh, and then and all of a sudden, it, it, I know right now, for instance, in our house, we're trying to stay up on this taking out the trash stuff because I don't know if anybody else, we got this fruit fly epidemic around these parts. It's getting better, but we got this fruit fly epidemic. Well, my wife could get upset whenever, you know, you happen to push down the trash, and the reason behind it might be, dear, we're in this fruit fly epidemic right now. Now, she could get all mad and upset and think, dear, you know, I always take out the trash. I'll get around to it. But her being upset could be the case because right now we're in this fruit fly epidemic, and if we don't get it out, then that just causes more of a problem. So you need to explain why you feel the way you do. Number nine, you got to clarify your needs. You're not going to be able to get what you want from your spouse unless you're able to tell them what your needs are. What are your needs? You can't just tell them what bothers you. You got to tell them what you would have wanted differently. All right? We're good about saying what bothers us, but tell me how to fix it. You know? Don't, don't just leave me with the problem. Leave me with the solution. Tell me how to fix it, you know. Uh, so, and some people have a hard time saying that. They have a hard time spelling out what they want from their spouse. Right. They know what they're getting they don't want, but they can't necessarily put a thumb exactly on what it is they do want. Yeah. A good example for that, and this, I know this tongue agrees with the paper, the worksheet he's referring to. I'm sure he'll make it as a download or something yeah. for Facebook. But this also tongue groups with explaining what, how you feel and why you feel that way and how to fix it. Um, there's a worksheet that we came across in some marriage counseling, and it helps you break down how you feel and what you need. And in most cases, when someone gets angry, there's, it's usually anger is usually masking another feeling behind it right. for the most part. A good example um, that's given is maybe the wife that's at home fixing supper and the husband has a habit of being late, coming home late. And she never knows when he's going to walk in the door because he's always late, okay? And she gets really angry. She's mad. She's upset. And he comes home, and, and she relays that anger. Okay, what is the anger masking over? Well, the anger could be masking over a feeling of fear, fear that he got in an accident and he died or he's in the hospital and she has no clue. Or it could be a feeling of um, being disrespected that their husband doesn't think enough of her to call and let her know that he's going to be late something along those lines so this helps break down behind the anger I felt angry because and then why and then it goes down to say in order to fix this problem this is what I would like from you and then there's these little boxes to say if you're going to be more than 15 minutes late please call and let me know you know and just kind of like solutions that would help fix the problem and so it's a real it's an awesome thing it sounds real generic and it, but I'm telling you it works it really really does and it's such an eye-opener that if you can realize the initial feeling of this is what I'm feeling but then going beyond that to say but why am I feeling that way because if your spouse can understand where you're coming from because if all they see is the anger then they get defensive Okay, but if they can understand there's more to it than just the anger, there's something behind it 
that they're really hurting or fearful or whatnot, then that can help them see the need for what you're asking for. Right, right. And then, though, then comes the plea, maybe, well, they should know what I want. Well, here, here we go, the mind reading thing. You know, there's times you want them to read your mind and other times you don't want them to read your mind. You know? You had that one totally wrong, but you should, okay, let's get on the same page here. You know, and, and, and you read my mind, you should know what I want. You know, you shouldn't have to, shouldn't have to ask or shouldn't have to relate to you or tell you, you know, what my needs are. Right, Matter of fact, if I got to tell you, I'd rather not have it. Yeah. But marriage comes down to communication. I mean, that's the biggest thing in marriage and in a relationship is communication and expressing and talking. And as, you know, Pastor, I talked about meaningful, meaningful conversation, things that where you get to really know each other. And the thing is, if you have that conversation and that communication early on, as your marriage grows, you will really get to where you truly know where you right. can really almost read them like a book because you have come to know them so well and you've communicated so well that you, you, know, you can see a certain facial expression or you can hear a certain phrase and you can automatically begin to know. But that's because you've already taken the time to communicate. You've taken the time to get to know them and understand them and what their heart is and where they are coming from. But still test the assumption. You might think, yeah, okay, we know him, but you still might ask, are you da-da-da-da-da? And just try out to see whether or not you is right, you know, because you still might be way over in left field. Um, and I think it's a common feeling for us as, as couples and individuals, husbands and wives, you know, that uh, we, we would love for our spouse or our husband or our wife uh, to know some of our needs and such without being told. I think that's, that is a common wish. And, you know, it's certainly gratifying whenever they already take care of some of your needs, even without you asking. That's very gratifying. But it is also, I think, unrealistic to expect that that will happen all the time, every day of your life. It may happen here and there, but it's not going to happen all the time. So go on and let the other person know amen, what you have need of. Number 10 is you must be honest. I can't underscore this enough. You must be honest in your marriage because the moment that there is wavering or infraction with, with using dishonesty, lying, coloring it over, whatever you want to call it, whenever that's happened and your spouse learns about that, then from that day forward, they're going to look at everything you say and do through another lens about whether or not they are telling me the truth. Amen. You must, must, must be honest because, man, it's not just, well, that was just one time. No, it has long-term consequences that go with being dishonest. And whenever I'm talking about being honest, being honest isn't just about avoiding falsehood. Sometimes we're not honest whenever we should share information we don't share. Hmm? Deceptive. That's deceptive. Sometimes you need to share some information, especially whenever you know your spouse has the absolute right to know, you know, whatever the information that may be that you're withholding. Right. Why do we sometimes withhold information? I'll get to you. Why do why do sometimes someone would withhold information? Maybe, maybe they feel like they're going to be judged, judged for what they had done, their failings, maybe. Maybe they have fear that it's going to hurt their spouse, right? What was you going to say, Sister Megan? I was going to say, um, you know, being dishonest or deceptive, a good example of that would be like if you went to the store and the husband said, so how much did you spend at the store today? And you say, well, I spent $100 on groceries. But you didn't tell them that you spent $40 on a credit card on some clothes. You know, it's just, it's an... Right. Yep, exactly. That's deceptive. That's right. not sharing information that you should share, okay? So it's important yeah. to be honest not and lying, straightforward. Not lying, just not being totally honest. <laughs> right. That's right. And on the flip side of that, too, yeah. we put ourselves in a position, you know, because I can see this happening that, you know, um, the girl says, does this outfit make me look big? Right. Pastor said you have to be honest. You know, I can see that happening. <laughs> but you put them in a real bad predicament. But understand, too, with honesty, can, you can also link honesty with kindness. Right. And using a little bit of wisdom. Doesn't mean to you be know, cruel. You know, it doesn't mean to be cruel. Exactly. Honesty doesn't mean cruelty. 
you know, you can easily say, well, that looks okay, but I think such and such would look better. Right. You know, you can right. do it. You can be honest without being cruel, okay? Right. So I think that's a good point to state that, yes, honesty is absolutely needful, but do it with kindness as well. Respectful honesty. Absolutely. Faces are going to be stained with tears here to come back tonight. <laughs> <sighs> That's right. <clears throat> Number 11, and we have hit on this before, but let's look just a little deeply. Limit yourself to one or two topics whenever you enter this deep conversation. Because, again, if you bring in the whole ball of wax of all these different topics, you'll probably walk away from there. Maybe none of them are resolved. Right. None of them are resolved. Because we do, over time, if anybody has any patience and long-suffering and forbearance, a lot of times the moment that something happens, we don't, boom, just bring it up and go for it. We kind of just let it linger back there, see if there's going to be some other situations or problems that happen. Some people have even greater tolerance. You know, you have two different type of people, those that take care of the things along the way and those that are the mercury that rises and gets to the top and it explodes. All right, and, and, and so uh, sometimes there's some, you know, a laundry list of accumulated uh, grievances or, or complaints. And so we, we, when, when we're, we get to that time, though, the one is brought up, we got to stay focused on the subject because here's what we like to do. It may be that what's brought up is making the, let's say it's making the man very uncomfortable because it's about him, okay, making him very uncomfortable. Well, a mechanism then in all of that is to bring something up about her. That's totally off the subject matter. And the issue that's about him, why is he doing that? Because he's feeling uncomfortable right now. He understands that he is, you know, he's been a flunky on that and he's in the wrong. And, but he's wanting to, what's he wanting to do? He wants to balance the scale out. And so, you know, here's a little dirt, there's a little dirt. Good, I feel better about myself now. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a term in um, psychology and therapy that's called projective guilt. Right. And it's where one of the um, members of the party is constantly um, casting guilt and pointing out problems and issues yeah. the other person has, you know, and always making them feel this big and always criticizing them and putting them down. And a lot of times what the therapist or the counselor has found is that when someone is constantly what's doing that projective guilt they're constantly projecting guilt and pointing out the flaws of the other person it's usually because they're trying to disguise their own flaws and mistakes or something that they're doing that they're trying to cover up and the way that they cover it up is by constantly pointing the finger at this person over here because they don't want to expose or acknowledge their own problem and if you're one that keeps the laundry list and say man those times of meaningful conversation to be able to talk about issues hardly ever happens and it's happening Man, this don't happen but once every decade or whatever. You know, this don't happen very often, so I gotta, you know, I gotta make this count. Here it is, boom. You know, I've been saving this for the past six months. You know. Watch out, you know, I'm shooting from the hip. So we're like, man, we're gonna take advantage of this, boom, 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 boom. But again, it's very, it's very counterproductive, very counterproductive to do that because you might feel like, man, I've been misunderstood, you know, for a long time. I've not been listened to for a long time. Now I got his or her ear, here you go. You know, I got their attention. Now, here's all my feelings just gushing out of me like an artesian well, you know. But uh, you, you, you can't do that. They, they call that kitchen sinking whenever you bring all those things up. But you just need to, you need to just kind of step back, you know, focus on that one or those two things, you know, that's there and work through them. Because uh, you can only explore really to any great depth if you just have maybe one or two things so even if it is concerning you or some infraction on your part uh, there will be a day it'll be flipped you know and you'll have another discussion and it may be the other direction but just take it you know and, and work through it and come to some compromise and some head on the issue because you'll be able to file that one away rather than keep it on your list you know and so just file file that away and also keep in yes. mind, too, that when you bring something up about the other person, and even if you've done it in kindness and love and just ask for a little bit of change in an area, they may initially respond with anger and upset because they're hurt. You know, it's hurt Human. their pride. It's injured them. And But, you know, the best thing to do is just to let them go, give them some time, especially guys tend to do that more because they need time to process. Right. It's okay just to, you know, you think, oh, great, I really messed that up, and now they're mad and all that. Give them some time. 
Because usually what I found even in our marriage is that he'll come back and he's had time to think about it and he'll come back and just say, you know, I know I was upset, but, you know, right. you I understand right, where he was coming from and, you know, we'll do this and, you know, and we're able to talk. So not always, but not sometimes, always. yeah. But basically, I'm just saying, if they do respond that way, just give them some time. Give them their space. It's okay. You don't have to keep chasing them down to try and resolve it. Just let them go for a little bit, and usually they'll come back, and it'll all work out. Okay? Don't jump on those words, you are right, either. If they truly admit that the other person was right, son, don't, <laughs> don't grab the confetti and start throwing it through the house and doing your victory dance and all that stuff. <laughs> Not a good one. No. Huh. Yeah. Number 12 of these communication commandments here. Number 12, allow time for questions. Allow time for questions. It's a good idea every once in a while to stop talking. If you're the one that's doing the talking, stop talking and allow some time for questions. You mean your, 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 other, your spouse may lose patience along the way if you never allow them time to question or to remark back. They may disconnect if you're just da 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 you know, the monitor is going into overload mode. You know, okay, just stop and let there be some questions. Because all they'll hear is blah, 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 One of the blah, things blah, we blah, need blah. questions, we, I need it. If my wife is talking to me, and the one reason why she needs to stop so I can ask questions is so that I can convey to her that I'm really understanding what she's saying. She could be talking, and I might be understanding something totally different. But we'll never know unless I'm given an opportunity. So this is what I'm understanding you to say. Everybody's laughing. This is, this is a, it could go vice versa, I'm telling you. It's according to whoever it's about, right? So it's giving them time to reflect, you know, about if they fully understand what they are saying. So allow them time to ask questions. Amen. To clarify even what's said. You know, did I hear you right? Again, you know, a lot of times when people speak and we latch on to certain things and others just kind of go on by, you know, we latch on to what we want to latch on to. And, and the only way to, you know, avoid a miscue, if you will, in conversation is to ask those questions. It's good communication just to ask questions. And, you know, you, you do it respectfully and courteously uh, because sometimes the biggest thing in miscommunication is the message that was sent wasn't the message received. Right? They said this, but somehow in your ear it inverts things. <laughs> and the message that came into your brain was totally different than what exited their mouth. And, and may I insert here yes. that when it comes to a serious marriage matter, don't have your conversation through a text. I right. mean, you all know there's been too many times that texts, and you can't interpret tone, you can't interpret facial expression or anything. If you have a serious matter, it's best to do it face-to-face. -face. Don't do it through a text. And that's become a common thing in this day and age. And you actually may be creating more problems for yourself than right. if you just addressed the issue one-on-one -on -one and went through it. But because of a text and a misinterpreted tone and yada, yada, and here you go. And you so. accidentally hit the capitalization key right before you started. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're yelling at you, aren't they? And then we got to, you know, the verbal with the nonverbal is what you're saying is your body language matching what you're conveying. You know, you can get a mixed signal from that. Then it might be sweet as new roses, you know, on a spring day, but their body language is saying something different. I'm kind of confused here. What, what, what are you saying? Are they being, they're being sarcastic. You know, <laughs> what's being said? So and, and here's something that we, we try to practice. Sometimes it goes down the drain. But uh, we tried to practice, but it's, it's what's, what's he going to say? When we talk about communicate this drive-through talking, what happens? You go to McDonald's, yeah, I want like a number two with no onion and pickle and a uh, large sweet tea. They're going to say, sir, do you want a number two with no onion or no pickle with a large sweet tea? What are they doing? They're confirming that they understood what you said. And so there's nothing wrong in that in a marriage. You know, they're conveying to you what they need. So from what, from what I understand, you, you need this. Or from what I understand, this is the problem. So on and so forth. There's nothing wrong with that. I know it seems real cheesy. If you got to open a window in your house and whenever you walk by it, and let's do some drive-through talking. Uh, all right. I don't know if you'll get a dinner out of it, but you never know. 
you might have to go through the drive-thru after it's all said and done. If so, go to McDonald's and you'll see brother and sister McGee there. You can sit with her and you'll get some tableside counsel. <clears throat> but seriously, uh, just reflecting that you understood what was said. And again, I, I know this is Marriage Matters and we have a dynamic group in here, some married, some not married, so on and so forth. But th- these things are just good for everyday life, for any relationship. Interrelationship, friendships, whatever you want to call them. It's good for all of them. Uh, if I could just switch now, those were the 12. Switch now and take a quick uh, look concerning the, a bit of a biblical view. You know, how, how we resolve conflict with a biblical view. And uh, you can take some of the practical things and mince them into the biblical aspect. And uh, again, it's kind of, some of it's a little bit of an overlap. But we must, we must you got to address the problem. You got to bring it up. You got to say what's bothering you. You got to relate how you feel. You can't be deceptive. Uh, a biblical premise for this is Ephesians 4.25. You know, Sister Christy probably thought we was never going to get to a scripture. It says, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So, so don't be deceptive. Be honest. There it is again, scripturally. I mean, for every man. It's not just for marriage. Tell the truth. By all means, tell the truth. And don't, don't minimize the importance of what you have to say. Sometimes we won't approach certain things because we start minimizing the importance and thinking, you know, that's, that's just really not a big deal. But if it's a big deal to you, it's a big deal. Amen. If it's a big deal to one of you, it's a big deal. And the understanding then should come forth from the other partner. If they're bringing this up, then this is a big deal to them. And if it's a big deal to them, and this is talking about our marriage and our relationship, then it, I, need to, I need to take some hard concentration on this because if it was enough for them to bring it up, it's important to me. It's important to my life. It's important to my marriage, the happiness of it or not of it. You know. And sometimes whenever you think it's not a big deal, then you'll never go there. You'll never do that. Or you might think, man, they're going to get upset. Well, you know, probably so. Maybe. But we'll get over it. We will. We'll get upset sometimes and we'll get over it as well. But don't stay from going there just because you think, well, they might get upset. Well, you know, there's a good possibility of that. And if you do that, it's just going to keep building up, building up, like he said earlier, until then you explode because you can't hold it in no more. Right. So here is another thing. Take responsibility for your actions. Here's, I think, some biblical wisdom. If you have a problematic area... And let's say I'm the one that's going to bring it up, but it's about my wife, a problematic area. I need to view through a lens very quickly. Is there something in that that I have a problem with her about that maybe I'm responsible for? Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we think it's just all you. You Sometimes we have so many shares bought into that problem as well. And so you, you got to deal with, the, with, with some t- your own problematic area concerning that. Right. You know, you might be contributing to the problem. A lot of times in a marriage, it is a lot of times a, it's laying on two shoulders rather than one. One may seem more pronounced than the other, but it doesn't take away the other's involvement. The Bible says in Matthew 7, here is my premise, Matthew 7, verses 3 through 4. We have read these before. A lot of times we just use these for just relationships and church, but I think we can use these for our marriage. Matthew 7 and 3, it says, Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or verse 4, Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. So saying we're getting into a thing here. We're about ready to do our picking, you know, about some situation per se, our spouse. But we need to enter that thinking, you know, there's probably some things here that could be picked at with me. You know, I'm not walking into this. I'm not walking into this flawless here. I'm not walking into this without my hands being a little dirty. You know, not, not, walk in with, you know, I never did a deed bad in my life type of scenario. You know, just have grace and mercy. Uh, n- number three, number three, Ask forgiveness. Ask forgiveness. 
I think that's really important. Sometimes we leave situations like that and it's just like, I don't know, there's that, that's never done for some people. There's never forgiveness offered or granted for some people. We just kind of walk away, okay, it's, it's good. I think it's important to literally ask for forgiveness. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 23, it says, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother, thy spouse, all right, hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before thy altar, go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, thy spouse, and then come offer thy gift. If you know that your spouse has something, you, you can just tell something's going on perhaps. You know, this thing's just been a little rough. Just have, explore that. Get to the bottom of what's going on. But on the flip side, Mark eleven twenty five, 25, and I've done this before whenever I've taught on forgiveness just openly for a church, but let's consider the marital relationship. And when ye stand, pray, and forgive if ye have aught against any, that includes your spouse, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. So one scripture says, if, if you think your brother has aught against you, the other says, if you have aught against someone, and back in forgiveness time was, well, whose, whose responsibility is it to ask forgiveness? Both of you. Uh-huh. The one who has the ought and the other who thinks, the other who may be given the ought. Both of you's turn to ask forgiveness. So whose responsibility should be it? I'll tell you what, he's the one who brought this up in the first place. <laughs> if both of you doesn't matter I know in the early years of our marriage I tell you what it was like it was like a competition who was going to hold out saying sorry I'm serious it was because she's pretty competitive and my last name's McGee and we stand with our swords drawn I'm serious. We might have already, I mean, we may have already got the thing per se resolved, but who's going to say, sorry? Oh, doesn't that do something to your ego and pride to just say, because sorry says, I was wrong. That's what it says underneath that. Sorry says, I was wrong. But we were both wrong. But that used to be a big thing early on in our marriage. Man, it would sometimes last, it seemed like forever sometimes one of us to finally give in and you know this is horrible you know what's finally done then whenever let's say she was the first one to say sorry and I'm thinking in my mind one that one (laughs) 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 yeah get out my little agabus and slide my little bead over you (laughs) I don't do that anymore hon it doesn't. I don't anymore. Now, now I'll try to be the first to say sorry. Sorry, I say I wasn't. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm and I also think something that has come up before with us is when you, if like, if you've done something to your spouse and you know you made them mad, and you realize, okay, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. Mm-hmm. And you go and you tell them, I'm sorry, and they're still mad. And you're thinking, but I asked their forgiveness. I said I was sorry. Right. And the statement's been made even from him to me, honey, I do forgive you. It's just going to take me a little bit for the frustration or the anger or the hurt to go away. So sometimes, you know, you can do something and five minutes later tell them you're sorry. It doesn't mean, boom, everything goes back to roses and happy cloud right. nine. Sometimes it's going to take them a little bit to kind of let all the hurt or the anger recede, and you've got to give them that time, you know, because then sometimes it's us, we're like, but I said I was sorry. Why are they still upset? I said, I asked forgiveness, and they're still like this, you know, and then all of a sudden you perceive a wrong and think, well, now it's their turn. They need to say they're sorry because they shouldn't have still acted like right. that after I said I was sorry, you know, so it can become a cycle, but you just need to understand that even when you say you're sorry, sometimes if you've done something to them, give them a little space because mm-hmm. they may still be experiencing some of those feelings of hurt and anger, and it'll go away, and you've made things right, but just give them some space and secondly too when you have made up and you've apologized to each other there's something to be said for physical touch and just a simple hug right a simple arms around each other I love you just taking a moment not to say I'm sorry okay I forgive you and you walk away but it's really important I think to connect physically right you know with just a simple hug after there's been you know a resolved issue or whatever I think that is really important I'll get to you Bishop real quick 
you know, her bringing up that idea because there is a vast difference, you know, between uh, forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness and reconciliation. You know, forgiveness, one person can do that. I forgive you, man, set free. But reconciliation takes two people. It takes two people. And so whenever, man, that one says, you know, I forgive you, whatever, man, you know, there's a release for them, but it may take time for, you know, all that other to dissipate for there to be reconciliation, you know, to bring about of those two, you know, back together in that, that perfect thing that my husband harmony. says, honey, just give me some time. Yeah. Just, just give me, me some space. I'll be all right, but I just need some time. And as the wife, knowing him, that's what I do, and it's fine. It yeah. works out just fine. Now, before, in the past, I may have been one to, you know, Keep going, keep going after it. it and keep trying. And, that creates and, and, and a whole nother problem. Me like, if you just keep doing what you're doing, you're just going to keep making me more angry than if you just let it be. Right. And so it's worked out a lot better that way. Here, Bishop. Sometimes you're better to say I'm sorry and then take a walk. <laughs> <laughs> Three Truthfully, or four miles. Now, now listen. Hey. It's 47 years speaking here. There you go. And then come back and put your arm around her, and sometimes there don't have to be anything said. You know, really. <laughs> sometimes there only have to be nothing said. Now the next time you all see Bishop walk around the trailer court, you're all going to be wondering, what's going on here? You can ah, say it works. <laughs> that guy walks all the time, you know. <laughs> A little side note on the saying you're sorry. Uh, now they know why I walk five miles every day. Right. Um, I'm going to derail my train here. The, how genuine sorry is. Because I know I've heard it. I've been guilty of doing it before. It's like we still have an axe somewhere to grind. And we say, yeah, dear, you're right, whatever, and I'm sorry, but. Seriously, the I'm sorry, but, because we got another edge to bring in. We're really not done with this, are we? <laughs> it's like we break it down in increments, you know. I'm sorry about that, but, now this, and. No, 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 no. Yeah, just, or the apology just, that says, I'm sorry it made you feel that way. Right. Or I'm sorry you had a problem with that. Right. That's a, not an apology. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not. <clears throat> number, number four in this biblical mode here, and I, my timer already went off, but we're still good. So you, you've looked at your part and how you may have contributed in the problem. You know, there's been forgiveness. You need to also, though, you know, again, you've got to address them, you know, with their, what you think is their perceived problem, you know, in the matter. Matthew 18, 15, it says, moreover, Matthew 18, 15, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, it says, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. He shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. So again, and we've hit on this last time because I kind of refresh my memory going through uh, some notes. You know, keep it, you know, with you and your spouse. And if you have children, safeguard your children. Right. If you have children, safeguard your Let your children grow up thinking, man, mom and dad were just wonderful and they were in love. Uh, life's going to hit. And I'm not saying some false idea that there's never no problems or never. But I'm saying whenever you're discussing some things, kids sometimes will automatically want to side with mom or dad. And then they, they start getting this negative view or idea about mom or about dad, so on and so forth. Safeguard your kids from that. It's, you know, speaking about if it's a good time to talk, it's not a good time whenever you have the environment of your kids around you. Man, wait till they're in bed. Wait till they are asleep. Or wait to do it sometime when you guys are alone by yourself. Don't, don't safe, safeguard. We can't do that enough safeguarding our children because they're exposed to enough garbage uh, in society besides having to be exposed to it in their own home. And 
you're not going to be perfect. No. I mean, they're, I mean, even Mariah and, you know, Trevor, they have picked up on times that maybe we've had a little odd with one another. And, you know, Mariah, she'll come in there and, you know, Mom, you don't need to be mad at Dad like right. that or whatever or, or vice versa. She's done the same to right. Pastor. And that's a teachable moment. Right. It's a very teachable moment in how you handle it. And usually the way we handle it is, you know, I look at Mariah and I say, Mariah, me and Daddy love each other. We just had an issue we need to discuss, a problem to figure out. Right. But it's fine. We'll take care of it. We still love each other. We love you and Trevor, and everything's going to be okay. And, you know, and, I'll, and a you lot know, of body language, though, can really help a child in a moment right. like and that. And I can bring up examples and say, you know, you and Trevor have had a fight and fought over a toy, but you right. still love each other or, you know, things like that. So it's a teachable moment. Your kids will pick up on things at sure. times. They're not stupid. They're smart. But how you respond to them when they approach you is a very teachable you need to just reaffirm to them mommy and daddy love each other you know we do you know everything's going to be fine you need to just reassure them because they live in a society where they see all their friends parents getting divorced and all their friends parents you know sleeping on the couch and living separately and all that so you need to reaffirm to them that you are committed to your spouse number five i'll i'll, I'll try to close right here number five people ask forgiveness but then it's nice to grant the forgiveness that's been asked for. And I think closure happens whenever you grant the forgiveness that's been asked for. Ephesians 4, 31, and I'll try to close this scripture. You can stand with me. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you so whenever it's asked for please grant the forgiveness that the other is asking for um, next week God willing will continue in this and we're going to continue in the vein of the idea that there was something that the Shulamite wanted and, and that was a constant confirmation of that lifetime devotion constant confirmation of that lifetime devotion that I'm going to be here going to be here through the thick and thin even better laced there within our our vows amen can we pray this morning hallelujah that god would help us father i come to you today lord i'm thankful again for being in your house lord with your word this morning god some of the practical things lord jesus that lord are for us in our relationships lord the fun lord that we have had here today i pray oh lord make us strong Make us strong in you. Be that third cord that is not quickly broken in our lives and our relationships. I pray, O oh Lord, today, God, let your anointing and your spirit, God, follow us today. Lord, bring us back this evening ready again to engage, Lord Jesus, in your word. God, speak to us tonight, Lord. God, minister to our hearts. Be with your people. Be with their homes and their families, their children. I pray, God, for in this hour, God, we got to have a strong family, God, more than ever before. Lord, in our day and hour in which we live, help us, Lord, to do so, God, by your spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Come back this evening. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.